When you come from a place like this, you're always planning your escape, even if you don't know when you'll go. That's how We Are Not From Here, the book by Jenny Torres Sanchez begins, a young adult book about a group of unaccompanied youth teenagers escaping Guatemala on a train called The Bestia. Welcome to the nest. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young, my mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have, the only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. Never the empty nest, my mother always says, spread your wings and fly, you can always come back to rest. Never the empty nest, my mother always says, wherever you may go to grow, this will always be your home. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Never the Empty Nest. We continue this season's jive, which is what it has been of books. I mean, right, Nico? Yep. Like, it's been super a super literary season. Um, we didn't originally plan it this way, but we opened with a book fair, and then we've been like talking about books, which are the best kind of nest anyway, you know? So today we have a wonderful YA and children's book author, Jenny Torres Sanchez. She's amazing. We're going to be talking to her a little bit about the books that she writes, particularly two of them that Nico, you and I are both, you know, invested in and now have like totally loved, which they're right is, here. um, they're right there. There they are. We are not from here. And, oh, it's so funny. You have the English one with lots of love in English. Cause mine is con, <gasps> con mucho amor. Oh my I have gosh. it in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. I got the That's English so one. Cause my daughter, I mean, she can't read yet in Spanish. She's eight and she's yeah. still, yeah. She'll get there. We read it together several times. She really liked it. Yeah. Well, she's a super reader. She just is not reading in Spanish. No, exactly. Yet. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Jenny Torres Sanchez, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you both for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. It's so awesome to have you. I mean, my sister and I have both read these books that you, you've written others, but these are the ones we're sort of like focusing on because we've both taken them in and, and had these conversations around them. And we're very excited about them. And you yourself are, if you want, just to get a little bit of background about you, you're half Guatemalan and half from El Salvador in your roots, but you were born in New York. Correct. Right? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like which side of your family is which and how you end up, you know, Brooklyn born? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my mom's from Guatemala and my dad's from El Salvador. Um, and I, I grew up mostly in New York. Like the first half of my childhood was in New York. And then we moved to Florida when I was about 10, 10 years old. So I kind of have this very strange memory of childhood because some of it is very New York playing in the streets going down down the block to the deli and the pizzeria and then the rest of it is very like Florida you know like yeah. subdivisions and you know you had to get in your car just to get down to the grocery store so um, a little bit of like and I find that kind of comes like happens a lot in my life this split of things you know that's why I always say I feel like I live on the border of two worlds, you know, growing up um, with immigrant parents, having a very traditional, I don't know, upbringing within my home and then very different outside my home. And yeah. And one of the things that obviously our show is about nests, the ones that 
we're born into and the ones that we find and the ones we create. And, you know, this season really has been for us this literary nest. But I mean, one of the things that's so powerful about uh, particularly We Are Not From Here is this conversation around nests that are broken, you know, like families that are broken apart because of social, political, yeah. economic, et cetera. I mean, we can keep talking right. about that. About I wrote that down, the exact thing. Those situ- yeah. 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 Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, I guess the impetus, the drive to write We Are Not From Here, what it's about for Mm -hmm. you, and then just like where it came from, and not just the characters, but the drive to write the story also. Right, and how much is personal, right? Like, how much did you get from your personal, just hearing stories of your parents, grandparents, ancestors, how much did you have to, did you go out there and actually speak to um, yeah, people that have gone through this. I, right, th- this book really affected me. I want to cry right now. Aww. Oh my god! So, so let's <laughs> tell people you. what it's about really quickly. Which is essentially, um, it is the unaccompanied youth who are crossing the border, specifically from Central America. In this mm-hmm. case, uh, I mean, it's it's a very specific story of these three kids right and i won't say any details about what happens to them along the way but there is the journey of of the bestia Mm -hmm. and getting on this train that is infamous Mm -hmm. to get them to a certain point across the border and then we get eventually to to the moment where they're you know they're split up but even before that they're split up from family right so well i'll start with where did the story come from and i think specifically like the the story of unaccompanied youth and it was very much from seeing and hearing about la bestia and hearing about unaccompanied youth arriving at our southern borders and seeing that story treated in in such a kind of um non-feeling or unfeeling manner you know i mean i know when people report you know, they're, they're very much sticking to the facts and they have a, a time frame that they have to try to fit this story. But it just felt like this story is so big. The lives of children are so big. They're so important. How could we ever try to tell them in, you know, a two-minute news clip or, you know, just an article? Um, and when I saw the faces, and I always go back to this, when I saw the faces of children arriving at the border, when I heard their voices on newscasts or whatever, it felt so personal. It was not strangers that I was seeing on TV. It was the faces of my children. It was the faces of my family. It was my own face, you know, of my youth that I saw in the faces of these children. They felt like family. They sounded like my family. So it just immediately was very, very personal. And I did all kinds of things to... I guess, help as much as you can when you feel helpless in a situation. You know, I donated. I tried to draw attention to it. Uh, My family and I went to protests. I mean, you know, just everything that I could think of. And still, nothing felt like enough. And I go back to what I do. And what I do is when I feel that much is I write. And so I just felt like, it was a story that really needed to be told in its entirety. As much as you can tell a story like that in its entirety, it needed to be about why unaccompanied children, you know, why they have to flee their countries. What are the circumstances that put them in that situation that make them make those decisions? And then 
how would a child even go about doing that? And what is that journey like? And what happens if they complete that journey or if they succeed in getting to the United States or not? And so I've really wanted to take the time and give a story like that the space that it deserved, you know, and even a book doesn't feel like enough because there are so many stories and so many different circumstances. But I just started writing this book. I started hearing the characters' voices. I started seeing them and, you know, they started following me and they started revealing, you know, their whole story. And so I just started writing it. One of the things that for me was um, that I kept going back to is even just like their nicknames, which mm-hmm. is Pequeña and Pulga, <laughs> like, which is, you know, small. Mm-hmm. They're all small, yeah. right? It's like, it means like little flea, little one, cheek, mm-hmm. t- tiny, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like this idea of these kids are so large in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're crossing like when you actually just take the steps of what they're actually doing, it's so massive. And then just I loved that you had this reminder of actually they're tiny. And Pequena says it, right? We're so small. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, you know, they are um, children in as much as they're strong and they, you know, can we think of them as, oh, children can, you know, they can withstand anything. They can get through things. And that's true. But they're also so small and they're vulnerable and they're innocent Mm -hmm. and they need to be protected and they need to be cherished and they need to be loved and cared for, you know? So you have the duality of that name as well is they are small and they are beings that should be cherished and treasured and protected. And also in the world that they live in and the circumstances that they're in, they feel small. They feel insignificant. They feel as if nobody cares what happens to them. They can be crushed and the world at large is not really going to take notice or care. And that's something that, I mean, I know that there were a lot of people drawing attention to what was happening to unaccompanied youth, but it still felt like even as we were trying to call people to action and and really like have children not treated this way, it still felt like every day, you know, the world just kind of kept going. Everybody's lives kept on happening. And these children were in these situations where nobody was really stopping to help them in a, in mm-hmm. a really big way, yeah. um, which is so true about so many things in our world. Nico, did you read this one out loud or just the picture book with, with Lily? No, I didn't read this one. She's eight I years would, old. I mean, yeah. I was. No, I know. It, I was just wondering. It was hard for me to read. And honestly, I, I mean, I got, it was, I, I felt sick to my stomach really, especially towards the end. But there, you know, there is hope and there's a, um, a beautiful uh, few lines that Begania says um, at the end. But um, I don't want to talk about it too much because i want people to read it and but i think i think the well, it was just yes, so we sad talk because about the, yeah. you read this it's hard to read because it's so real right and i mean we're daughters and granddaughters of immigrants and political refugees as well you know okay. from cuba and la bestia to us is like i guess the ocean right and they throw themselves into the ocean and they think well i'd rather risk getting eaten by a shark or drowning 
than staying mm -hmm. here one more minute, you know? Right. And just all these innocent young lives, just to so much reality and truth and hardship. It's such a young age and it breaks you in a way and takes away that innocence and it's heartbreaking. So it was just really hard because this happens every day on so many borders around the world. And actually, you know, I actually looked up because I was like, this. I feel like it's getting worse. And the New York Times said that this is the third record setting year in a row during a time when uh, migration around the world is at historic highs. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, 2.4 million um, in 2023 and ugh, God knows how many children. So it's just, it's, it's a really, really sad, I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how it's going to get fixed, but it's just, it's not okay. And it's also amazing just to see like the strength that such a young person can have though. At the same time, it's really like bizarre and inspiring and sad and, and mm -hmm. so many <laughs> emotions. Um, yeah. I think to go back to something, Nico, that you had asked before, just ask Jenny, is that how did you do the, the research around La Bestia itself, right, yes. right? Because we have... There's so much detail. We have images which are horrifying, right. you know, in and of themselves, but but then you have very, very real detail right. that you that you delve into, and I wondered how how you arrived at that. Yeah, um, so there's a book called La Bestia by a Salvadoran a journalist named Oscar Martinez. And he has written La Bestia several times wow. in order to, in, in the name of truth, in the name of, you know, really knowing what people were going through firsthand and interviewing people on these different, this series of trains that make up La Bestia. So that was really vital in my research about the trains and how they function. And, you know, um, some of the things that people said or that he reported on about what they go through. But, you know, I've never ridden La Bestia. I've never been through the situations that these children have been in. And so I did read a lot of other books as well. There was another one, like The History of Violence by Oscar Martinez. And I've listed them in the back of We Are Not From Here. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The It's a, another book by Valeria Luzueli, um, Tell Me How It Ends, um, that, you know, she actually interviews... Uh, because she was, she was volunteering to take in the questionnaire, you know, when children mm -hmm. get to the border and asking yeah. them, you know, why they, what they've gone through, why they're coming, why they're seeking asylum, because they needed a lot of people, Spanish speaking um, interpreters. And so she did this and then she, she wrote her account of it in this book, Tell Me How It Ends. And so I relied on the expertise of a lot of different people, uh, but I myself did not interview any children. And the reason being that I'm not a trained psychologist or counselor, mm -hmm. and I would never, ever, ever want to subject children to going through their trauma or mm -hmm. answering my questions yeah. for a book, you know, yeah, reliving, um, the moment. reliving yeah. that and going through that type of trauma that I can't, or, you know, here I get my answers and then I walk away and I'm leaving them with this emotion. So I did not interview children. I read accounts of many things that people have been through and a lot of it is just imagining um, and really kind of like, thinking about what that situation would be like and 
when I write, I see a lot of images in my head, like very cinematically. It's, it's kind of like a movie. And so I just really write that down and try to describe as much as what I'm seeing to the reader. This could be yeah, a movie. It feels this, that way. This, I mean, I, I kept reading this and I was like, this should be a movie. People out there, I producers actually, out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I actually see, I, I, I was talking to my company partner about this because there was a moment. I don't know, Nico, do you remember Sunflower Cafe? Oh my, whole? stop it. Because yes, of course. Okay, La so Bestia, yeah, there was a moment. Yeah, there was a there was a moment where so I have a, a entertainment company with my company partner and for a while we were talking about this idea for a series of kids that had crossed on La Bestia mm -hmm. and it's crazy because it's like and the whole idea was you know this is a writer's room that should be full of you know Guatemalans and Salvadorians mm -hmm. and like you know like that yeah. actually yes that 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 have triangle, a closer it, right? reach mm -hmm. yeah. So it's really interesting. I just talked to her about this and I was like, we should get the rights to this book and make a <laughs> seriously. Yes, um, yes. Because it's, 100%. it's very linked to what the idea that we had about someone actually coming in with that knowledge that comes firsthand, right? Because like, if this were specifically about Cuba, I would have the direct connection to the language and the mm -hmm, everything, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But it felt like such an important story to tell and that it needed to be told and here you have 100%. it, you know? So it feels like it should be a series, 100%. you know? 100%. This um, story needs to be told more often and people need to see it, not just hear about it. And because like you said in the news, it's just numbers. It's like people are just numbers mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and it's so dehumanizing. Um, yeah. and, and, and just and one it, person's yeah. story is insane. And so think of all the millions of stories like this. Um, and and some end very sadly. And somehow there's a lot of hope. And that's yeah. why they do it, you know? Yeah. Sorry, I, I no, no. You wanted to and, say And that's one thing that I put in the author's note at the end is that, you know, I get a lot of mail from people who are like, oh, my gosh, I just... I love Pulga and Pequeña and Chico and I felt for them so much and I couldn't stop thinking about them, you know. And one thing that I put in yeah. the author's note is that this is just a story of three fictional characters exactly. and there are so many more stories, you know. There are so many other Pulgas and Pequeñas and Chicos out there that are real, you know, whose this is their story or they're living very similar experiences. But yeah, it's, it's just a very personal story to me. And I actually did set it in Puerto Barrios, which is where my mother is from. Really? And okay. Yes. And I've gone there um, several times throughout my life. Pulga's uh, house is actually my Tia Dora's house. Oh, you know, it's yeah. absolutely modeled after her house. And uh, his room is actually, you know, when I was writing it and thinking and seeing everything, um, that's the room that I stayed, stayed in when I would go visit her. Um, Don Felicio's store that's on the corner that yes. really exists, you know, and I could see it from my tia's patio. And it was, it belonged to a woman named Doña Margarita. I just changed it a little mm -hmm. bit and for the book. But um, all those things, you know, going down there to get a Coca-Cola. I mean, those are things that I did. That's where my family yeah. lived, you know, so it's. That's yeah. why I asked yeah. how much is personal because it was written with so much affection and so much detail. And so yeah. um, just all the imagery and the colors and 
Yeah. Like I said, with con mucho amor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which is which is the title of yeah. the other book, yeah. which is the picture book, which we can switch to just a little bit because we brought it up. But, you know, that book is about this little girl missing her grandmother on the eve of her birthday, right? And again, it's familial separation, but with some unbreakable unity that happens throughout the book, right? So can you tell us a little bit about that book and, and you know where that comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. So every book that I've written before with Lots of Love has been for young adults. So it's been for teenagers, you know, and all of my books deal with these very heavy, difficult topics. You know, I, I am somebody who likes to tackle real issues and I like to kind of tackle that head on and really be honest with our young people about some difficult things in the world. So always have written for young adults. And then, you know, when my kids were younger, they were like, why don't you write a book for us? Why don't you write a book for us? Because, you know, they were going to read my, my older books, you know. So I kind of had the idea of a picture book back when they were a little bit younger. And I always wanted to do one. And then, you know, I just kind of started thinking of this book about this girl, but I kind of set it aside. And, you know, I think I wrote a couple more young adult novels in between. And then finally, I was like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to finish this book. I'm going to write it. And I think after we are not from here, I needed something that even though it does deal with missing somebody and those feelings, I needed something that was very tender and sweet and full of love. And this is just kind of like my book that kind of I was able to kind of pour all that into. So it came from my kids asking for a book for them, you know, <laughs> and then yeah. kind of needing um, something like more hopeful after we are not from here. Yeah. yeah. You have these really lovely moments in both of the books that are like these little like magnetic connective tissue things that happen with like the stars, you know, in this case, like she's, you know, looking at the stars and then there's the star of the piñata mm -hmm. that the, of the piñata that happens. And then the two sisters in the other oh book. Oh my God, I wrote that down. Um, the Marta and Soledad. That, yeah. Oh my yes, God, yes. I loved that so much. Me too, me too. So those those connective, those like very, very, very beautifully threaded connective moments were gorgeous. You were just talking about how you, you grapple with these big issues, which is true in not just these books, but others. And you started as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? And is that where this comes from? This, you know, one desire to write YA and for this audience and these and knowing what they can handle, what they need, what they question all those questions yes yeah definitely well um you know I was as a teenager I was somebody who always kind of felt like an outsider you know and I always kind of felt like very different from everybody else and not quite in the loop and not quite knowing what was going on so I felt like an outsider and that always kind of carried with me throughout my life and when I ended up in the classroom I just loved the perspective that young people have. And, you know, I saw a lot of the ones that felt like outsiders. I saw a lot of the ones that were in the in crowd, but still felt like outsiders, you know. And I, I saw a lot of the real life, real world issues that young people deal with. And, you know, the conversations that we would have about literature in the classroom were amazing and what they wanted to know about the world and what they wanted to talk about and what they could handle. They can handle so much. I don't know why adults get like so wrapped up about what they can read and what they can't read because 
Young people want honesty. Young people want truth, and young people want to talk to us. And adults were always saying, "Oh, come and talk to us. You know, if you have a problem, come and talk to us." And then we're also sending this message of, "But not if it's about this, and not if it's about that, and not if it makes me the adult uncomfortable, and not you know." And it's just ridiculous. We have all these people who want to ban books, and you know, you're giving kids the message that they can't talk about anything or very limited things that they can talk about, and they can handle it. They can absolutely handle it, I, and I know from being in the classroom what they can handle. And so, I try to have those conversations in my book about family dysfunction and you know things that like what the children are going through, and we are not from here. Just real, the real world. This is the、right. world that young people live in, and you know if we,、uh, the adults, can't talk to them about it, then what resources are they left with? It is the world they actually live in. So, actually speaking about it and talking about it and having these conversations all around it is so much more empowering and also helps to helps them deal yeah, with yeah. It. to process all the stuff <laughs> that they also watch because now with、yeah. social media everywhere, like younger and younger kids know so much more about the real world, they, right? They so, do, they、yeah. do, and I. Try to tell you know like audiences or parents or whoever will listen that the safest place that kids can kind of get their information or encounter the really big things, difficult things about our world, the safest place that they can encounter those things are in books. I、yeah. mean, it really is, you know. So.、Mm-hmm. I obviously am such an advocate for just let kids read whatever they'd like to read and know that they can handle it.、Mm-hmm. So I have just I have some questions to 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 wrap up a little bit. Unless you have something first, Nico, because I just want to know what、um, um, no. what Jenny has upcoming.、Oh, yeah. But before that, if you have any other questions that that you wanted to to ask her,、um, I don't think I had any. We all, I think we've asked the questions, and I,、mm-hmm. I I'm trying to look through、yeah. my notes like fast to see because <laughs> I've always every time we finish, I'm like, ah,、oh, I forgot to say. Yeah,、this. that's why I went to her because I went to her because last time she was like, Vane, you just closed it, and I had all these things to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like. <laughs> Um,、uh, do we have anything we haven't? No, but it has been such a lovely conversation with you. And、uh, yeah, what do you have coming up so that people know what to look out for? Yes, if you can talk about、um, it. Well, <laughs>、right. I I think I can. I do have another picture book that、Amazing. I've been working on, and that I think will be coming out in twenty twenty five. It hasn't been announced yet, so I don't I don't know how much of that I yeah, can yeah. say. But <laughs> the next book that'll come out will be a picture book,、um, and I will say that it does deal with you know like a hard topic,、um, but just you know remembering that our children need. Books that that tackle those kinds of things,、um, yeah. but yeah, it's a picture book. And then I'm working on a middle grade novel,、uh, which、mm. is really interesting and different and fun for me because I've always kind of focused on young adults, and now you know a little bit of picture books. But yeah, kind of getting into that mindset and that voice of the middle grade. Um, child has been really kind of cool, so I'm working on that,、exciting. and we'll see what comes of it. And then I've kind of started on another project that may be my first like adult novel that is、mm. for you know like an adult audience. So, oh wow,、yeah. amazing! Well, I、yeah. I want to say thank you for writing this book because you really honor all the people that go through that. Sorry, <sighs> thank you. 
Thank you for saying that because uh, one of the things that when people ask me, why did you write this book? It really is to honor that experience to what unaccompanied youth have gone through and are going through and will continue to go through. I feel like history will want to invalidate. And I just really wanted to write something that would bear witness to what I was seeing um, and honor those children and what they've been through. If if you let me, there's a little, like like a couple lines that I wanted to read from Pegonia. Um, please, please that. go. Because it was so, it's such a hard book to read and it's very, there's so much darkness, but the, it ends at least with her. I don't want to say everything. There's loss, obviously. I just love this part towards the end. I don't want to say too much. I'm just going to read it because I thought it was just said beautifully too. But she said, and I feel a small bit of relief in my chest, like a long held breath finally being released. And I see inside my chest, dark and empty. But I see a glow come from a small space within that grows brighter and brighter. It's a flower bud, and I watch it as it opens up as luminous petals unfurl. More and more petals growing larger, taking up more space, filling my whole chest with life, with hope. So I thought that was really beautiful. Thank you for reading that. Thank you so much for writing this book, for being on the on the show with us. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for having me. Thank this you. has been such a special experience and I, I love talking with both of you. Thank you. Likewise. Hopefully we talk again. Yes. <laughs> we will. We, we will. will. And for everyone else, we'll see you next time. We'll catch you next time on Never the Empty Nest. <laughs> All of your success, she says, all the great things ahead. I'll be here when it's time to see you again. And if you fall, she says, if someone breaks your heart, I'll mend your wounds in this nest of ours till you're ready to depart.